Well, I also want to welcome you uh, here today. Welcome those who are here at our 930 Cornerstone service, those at the Well and the Well Cafe. Uh, I want to thank you for being here on this uh, first Sunday of the new year. I think that's, uh, that's an important thing that you're doing, uh, to make a commitment to, to be here at the very beginning of the year. What we're doing today is we're thinking about a new year. We're thinking about the hope and possibility of a new year. And specifically, I want to talk about a fresh a fresh start. Uh, but before we get to the new year, I want to say just a word about uh, what happened last year, specifically how we ended last year. I'm often asked about Christmas Eve. I'm asked all sorts of questions like, did you survive? You know, did, were you, did, you, did your voice hold up over the course of, of many services? How many did we have in, in worship? Uh, uh, and also about the special offering that we receive every year uh, for Zoe ministry. So uh, here's your quick update. Uh, we had 6,466 here for uh, Christmas Eve weekend, uh, which means that we had over 6,000 of these candles lit and we did not burn the building down again. Give yourselves a hand. Good job, everyone. <laughs> We're still recovering from Christmas Eve. I got here this morning. I couldn't find my robe. Uh, this candle was just sitting over there on the floor. I, I found it. But uh, uh, we, it's, a, it's an incredible thing to be with you uh, on Christmas Eve uh, over the course of those many services. Uh, it, the offering that we received uh, for Zoe Ministry, uh, our, our partner working with orphan and vulnerable children all around the world so that they will never need charity again. Uh, you raise $65,273 for Zoe Ministry. So give yourselves a hand uh, for that. Uh, I don't usually wear this uh, in this service, uh, but I want to just show this to you. Uh, this is fabric that I bought three years ago, almost three years ago. Uh, I bought it from one of the stores uh, that our Zoe kids in Rwanda had started. Uh, and I brought it back and I thought, well, I'd, I'd love to make some stoles out of this. And again, had it for a couple, a couple years, found someone to make these stoles. Today's the first day that we're wearing them. So um, I, I'm not going to wear it the whole time. I just wanted you to see it because, uh, again, it represents uh, a new life and new, new hope. Uh, again, kids whose lives have been changed forever because of your generosity. Uh, and what an incredible thing that you not only invited friends and family so that we could reach over 6,000 for Christmas Eve, but also you, you have the chance to bless so many more uh, in your generosity at Christmas Eve. So I want to thank you for both of those things. Uh, as we begin today, I also want to point out to you uh, that as we think about a fresh start, and I, I kind of walk you through, I want to share with you some scriptures. I'm going to share with you some questions, some quotes. So if you have your bulletin, I'd love for you to pull that out on the back as a place where you can write some things down. I'd love for you to have a pen. But uh, I also want to lift to you uh, this website, dailyfirst15.org. This is a daily devotion that we produce uh, each and every day, uh, every day except for Sunday. Sunday. Uh, and if uh, you can receive it via email, you can find it here at this website. You can sign up to receive the email here. If you don't currently do this, I'd love for you, this would be a great thing to start uh, as we begin a new year. But I want you to know that this week, uh, what I hope you will do is, is not only hear this message, but uh, in First 15 this week, it's designed just to kind of guide you through some reflection, some thought about a new year, and some thought about a fresh start. So I hope that that is a blessing to you. I, I told you in advance of this weekend that I want to talk about some of the mistakes that I think that we make when we think about a new year and we think about possibility and we think about a fresh start. Mistakes that I've made in my own life, some of the big mistakes that I think uh, we, we tend to repeat over and over again when we think about a new year. But the first thing I want to acknowledge is that we think differently about this. There are some of you who you love this because you love to plan. 
You are organizers. If you had a free afternoon, you think it would be totally normal just to spend it at the container store thinking about how you could reorganize your whole life, right? That's kind of who you are. When you think about planning for a new year, you not only want to do that for your own life, you really wish you could do it for everyone else in your life, right? You would like for them to come over, sit them down. You'd show them the flow chart that you use for developing your goals, right? Because you're kind of wired that way. And I'm not picking on you because I am one of you, all right? I think that way as well. If you are that way, probably at some point in your life you realized that you weren't normal, right? That, that not everyone was like you. Mine happened when I was in intermediate school. Uh, in intermediate school, uh, my friend Jason's house was right across the street from the school. So we'd go hang out there uh, after school with, with some of our friends. And, and he had, this was really cool, this is, you know, this is way back in the day, he had a Commodore 64, Okay, like lightning fast 8-bit computing, you know, back in the day. And he had a couple games on, that we could play. And he, I think he was the only friend that I knew that actually had a computer. So we'd go over there and we'd play Pitfall. Remember Pitfall, how fun that was? And Frogger, whoa, what intense fun that was to play Frogger. So we'd go over there and play. But the computer was in his room and his room always looked like a bomb had just gone off. And it really bothered me. I just, I could, I just, I didn't understand. Why, how can you live in this? And as bad as his room was, his closet was worse. Like that seemed to be where all the mess came from. It just kind of overflowed from the closet. And I couldn't understand why he didn't understand how much better his life would be if he would just organize this closet. And not only that, I, this is what was even more, I, I couldn't understand it. When I offered to do it for him, he said, no. Why would you say, don't you don't understand what I'm trying to give to you, what the gift this is? And, and, and not only did he say no, he kept saying no. And he seemed to delight in the fact that I wanted to organize the closet and he got to say no every single time. That was when I realized I wasn't normal in, in this particular way. So we think differently about this. Some of us are really big into planning and we think about goals and we've, we've listed them all and we know what we want to do. Some of us don't spend as much time thinking about that. But I want to suggest to you that this is what so we all have this desire for life to be better. For, for something about our future to be uh, one that is better than where we have come from. That's a, kind of a universal thing. And though we invest differently in that, it's something uh, that, we all, that we all want in our life. And so I want to walk through some of the questions that I, I know we all ask, some, of, some additional questions that maybe we don't ask but that we should as we think about a fresh start and we think about a new year. So here's where most of us uh, begin. Uh, to the extent that we invest in this, we think about, you know, what are some of the things, what is the one thing you want to be better in your life at the end uh, of this year? W what is it? Do you, is it in a relationship that you want to uh, invest a little bit more time in uh, over the course of, of, this, of this new year? Is it, is it that the diet that you need to have in the future is the exact opposite of everything you've eaten for the last two weeks? You know, is that, is that the idea? Well, what is it? We all think about something. Is it, is it something that you really knew back in October, but you just thought life's too busy, I'm not going to deal with it until a new year begins? But what is it? What is it that as you look at your life and you think, what needs to be better? You, you think, well, that's, that's what it is. That's something I really need to work on. That's something I need to, that's something I need to invest in. And, and I want to suggest to you up front that this is not a bad starting point. 
It's not bad to start with a, on our own perspective, our own thoughts about our life and, and what needs to be better. But, but while it's, a, it's an okay starting point, it's a really, really bad ending point. When we start with the self, we start with our perspective, we think about how we see the world and how we see ourselves and what needs to get better. That's not a bad place to begin, but it's not a very good place to end with simply our own view of ourselves and our life and what our future needs to be. And you might just write down uh, this uh, scripture, Proverbs 4, 1 through 8. Let me just read this to you as this shares one of the reasons why uh, that question is a good place to start, but not necessarily a good place to end. Proverbs says this, listen, my sons, to a father's instruction, pay attention and gain understanding. I give you sound learning. So do not forsake my teaching, for I too was a son of my father, still tender and cherished by my mother. Then he taught me and he said to me, take hold of my words with all your heart. Keep my commands and you will live. Get wisdom. Get understanding. Do not forget my words or turn away from them. Do not forsake wisdom and she will protect you. Love her and she will watch over you. The beginning of wisdom is this. Get wisdom. Though it costs all you have, get understanding. Cherish her and she will exalt you. Embrace her and she will honor you. So we start with the self, we start with how we see our lives, how we see our future, and it's not a bad place to begin there, but when we end there, what do we miss? We, we often miss wisdom. So here's a question maybe you don't often ask at the beginning of a new year, but is worthy of reflection. Who are the two to three people in your life whose wisdom you need? Uh, who are the two to three people in your life uh, whose wisdom you, you need to, to hear from, that, that you would benefit from as you think about uh, a fresh start in your life? One of the mistakes that I made consistently uh, in, in earlier uh, years of my life is thinking that wisdom would just somehow find me. <laughs> like just stand real still and maybe it'll just show up, right? And, and, and yet, I, I want you to hear how aggressively Proverbs says you must seek wisdom in your life. It took me a while to learn that if I wanted to have two to three people in my life whose wisdom I could trust, I could seek, they, they knew me, they loved me, they wanted what was best for me. Uh, these were people who would tell me what I needed to hear, tell me the things that I don't want to hear, who would have the courage to be honest with me. These people weren't just going to fall from the sky. That these were relationships I had to seek out and relationships that I had to nurture if I wanted to have those kinds of relationships in my life. And so as you begin a new year, do a few names immediately come to mind when you think about those in your life who bring you wisdom, those who help broaden your perspective, those who help you see what maybe you don't see, understand what right now may be unclear. Do you know who those individuals are in your life. 
And if you don't, who might they be? What might you need to do in a year ahead to intentionally foster and nurture the kinds of relationships where that wisdom might grow? Because it doesn't magically appear. It doesn't fall from the sky. The beginning of wisdom, Proverbs says, is this. Go get it. Don't sit back and wait for it. Because you need it. You need it. You need it. So go and find it. Go develop those relationships. Go invest in those relationships. Because wisdom, if you cherish her, if you seek her, if you care for her, if you honor her, she will guard you in your life. Uh, adding to Proverbs 4, 1 through 8, you might write down Matthew chapter 6, verses 25 through 33. And as you hear these words of Jesus and you think about the wisdom of Jesus, I want you to think about a fresh start. I want you to think about the possibility of a new year and what, what, what might this year look like for you? What are the things that you might want to nurture in your life? Listen to what Jesus says about life. Jesus says, therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life. What you will eat or drink or about your body, what you will wear is not life more than food, is not the body more than clothes. Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Can any one of you by worrying add a single hour to your life? How's that going for you, by the way? Is, is the day getting longer as you worry? And why do you worry about clothes? See how the flowers of the field grow. They do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all of his splendor was dressed like one of these. If this is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? So don't worry. Don't worry saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all of these things and your heavenly father knows that you need them. But seek first, Matthew chapter six, verse 33, seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be given to you as well. Seek first his kingdom, seek first his righteousness and all these things will be added to you as well. If you were here back in November, you may remember we talked about that faithfulness in the first things has the power to change everything. That's what Jesus is saying in Matthew 6, Seek first my kingdom, seek first righteousness, seek first holiness, seek first the life that I would invite you to live and everything else, everything else is gonna be taken care of. So as you listen to the wisdom of Jesus, maybe as you begin a new year, you might ask this question. What do these words of Jesus say to me about a fresh start? You may be thinking in this particular way, but what about what Jesus says here? Does this teaching reflect the life that you are living right now? Or in hearing that, do you think to yourself, wow, there may be a few things I need to work on. If I want to live as Jesus would call me to live, if this is the goal, in other words, if the goal is to live in such a way that you might seek first his kingdom and trust God for all the rest, what are those things, what are those changes that Jesus might strongly encourage you to consider making as you begin a brand new year? Why do we all pursue better? 
Why do we all have this desire for life to somehow be better than it was the day before? I would suggest to you that that is work we are called to do because we're compelled to do it because God's at work in our life. I believe that's the movement of God's spirit in us. God's spirit which longs for us and draws us into a a desire for a deeper, more abundant, more significant and meaningful life. But without wisdom, here's what happens. What begins as a movement of God is undermined by the absence of wisdom. And without wisdom in your life, without wisdom, you cannot help, I cannot help, but live according to the beliefs and values of the culture that surrounds us every single day. Wisdom is what enables us to to live according to to truth, to the way we really wanna go, but without it, we have have no chance but to follow the world in which we live. And and what does our world teach us? Uh, Let me just suggest to you a few things that, that I think the world consistently nurtures in us and teaches us about what life is really all about. The first thing is that life is about the pursuit of happiness. And you owe it to yourself to do whatever you must to pursue happiness. Now, if you just wrote that down, I want you to erase it really quickly, okay? Because here's what will happen. You'll set that bulletin aside when you get home, and then you'll pick it up later, and you'll, you'll email me and you say, this is what you said I should do. This is what life is about. Because it's so close to what we think it is. It's just this subtle lie. Life is about your happiness. You must pursue it, and you must do whatever you can to find happiness. And you may even find yourself thinking, well, what else is there? <laughs> what, 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 else, what else could I do? But what happens when we live according to that mentality? Appetite becomes the God that we serve. And other people in our life become the sacrifices that we place on the altar of our happiness. And as a pastor, I see it all the time. Where people following what A culture encourages them to think. They cannot help but pursue this idea that, well, life is about my happiness, so how could I ever choose a life or go in a direction that wasn't about what's best for me? Here's another thing our culture encourages in us. When it comes to defining what is best for your life, you are the expert. You know yourself better than anybody else. You know your future better than anybody else. Above all else, you must trust your gut and be true to yourself. If you wrote that down, erase it. Because it's not true. Have you ever thought about how poorly you or all of us really are able to judge between what is good, what is better, and what is best? Have you ever at a point in your life in hindsight looked back and thought, you know what, I was really convinced that that was the right decision. (laughs) There was no one who was going to talk me out of that. I really thought this was the right way to go. And yet it caused pain in your own life or in the life of someone else that you never imagined would come. And yet maybe there's somebody that you're sharing life with who at the end is like, maybe he or she would just listen to me, I swear. (laughs) Our culture teaches us that we are all on separate paths, which is why you have to look out for yourself first. Pursuing what is best for you is also what is best for everyone else in your life. What's best for everyone else is for you to do what you need to do. Again, erase that. It's not true. 
It's, it's, not, it's not what leads to life. It's what leads to destruction. And without wisdom, without perspective, without people in your life who are willing to share with you what you need to hear, you may not want to hear, without the wisdom uh, to sit back and listen to the Spirit's guidance in your life, without wisdom, you, you find yourself following the beliefs and values of a world that will lead you constantly down a path that leads to your own destruction. What starts as a movement of God is undermined by the absence of wisdom. So Proverbs says, go and get it, you need it. How do we avoid? How do we avoid ending up on the path that leads to destruction? Again, this week, uh, the, the scriptures and the reflection of verse 15 is about guiding you through thinking through that. But just a couple of thoughts. The first thing I would say to you is it begins with acknowledging that we have an adversary. And the adversary for us, particularly when we think about wisdom, the adversary of wisdom in our life is pride. And pride is powerful. And we do ourselves a disservice when we don't recognize how powerful pride is in our life. And in recognizing the power of pride, also recognizing that if we are going to fight back, we can't just sit back. We have to work against pride. How do you do that? You accept that you need help. That your life is not as together as you would like everyone else to believe. You embrace weakness. You accept and seek out, maybe even, opportunities to share words with one another that sound like this. I was wrong. I made a mistake. I wish I would have done that differently. You intentionally pursue those opportunities you have to practice humility by serving and giving and living in such a way that you are constantly moving yourself out of the center of your life and allowing something so much more significant to claim that space in your life. You serve people who are in need Not because you have so much and they have so little and isn't that such a nice thing to do. But because when you serve others in need, it reminds you of how needy you are yourself. And though your need may may differ from those who you are in service to, we are one and the same in our universal need in our life. Embracing weakness and fighting against our adversary, guarding against distraction. Let me give you an example of distraction. Uh, I'm entering, uh, how many of y'all are going to have a birthday this year? Anybody? Most of you? That's good. Uh, planning to have a birthday, that's, that's, that's a great plan. Uh, I'm having one of those birthdays this year that if you want to buy me a card, you get to go to a special section in the card area. Hallmark loves the birthday that I'm going to have this year. I remember uh, when I was a kid, one day stepping out of my house, uh, looking in the front yard and seeing a giant black vulture that a loving member of my dad's church rented to put in his yard on his 40th birthday as a sign, just to remind him, your life is almost over. 
You're halfway done. It's all downhill from here. You are over the hill, right? I'm having one of those birthdays. And as I was thinking about this year, I thought it was a little strange that I was excited to turn 40 because I'm ready to be old. I mean, really, I'm so tired of being young. I'm ready to be old. I'm ready to be able to say, no, no, no. I'm old enough to be your senior pastor. I'm 40. You know, I'm ready for that. But I was thinking to myself, well, maybe there's something wrong with me. Like, I shouldn't want to be 40. Maybe there's something, maybe I should be depressed. Maybe I should be thinking about, oh gosh, everything's going to be bad from, from here on out. But then I thought about this. Nothing changes when you turn 40. Have you thought about that? Like when you turn 16, something significant happens. Something changes in your life. You may not like that you've reached the age where you get to order off a different menu or you get a discount at the movie theater, but you get a discount at the movie theater. I mean, that's pretty cool. You get to order off a different menu. Something happens at those ages. Nothing happens when you turn 40. It would be significant if the world practiced this. When you turn 40, you get free valet parking everywhere you go. That would be significant, but nothing changes. And so as I was thinking about that, I thought that's just a distraction. That's just like so many things in our world. Uh, Opportunities where we talk ourselves into pursuing something that has nothing of significance for our future. Or opportunities for us to feel a sense of despair or to talk ourselves out of a life that truly is meaningful or significant. Is there a distraction in your future that you need to acknowledge and say, that doesn't matter. That doesn't change. Nothing changes about what my life is and what my future is going to be about. Uh, And and maybe here's another way of thinking about it. It, it, It's saying, I'm going to refuse to live for a why that is too small. Here's how Mike Slaughter uh, describes that. He says, it only takes me 24 hours to lose a healthy fear of God. Daily devotion, reading the scriptures, prayer is all about renewing the why in my life. What is the why of your life? Are you here to simply take up space? Is survival really the goal? Oh, I just want to get through this week. I really hope I make it to the next month. Or is there a why in your life that's bigger than that? And what is it in your life that renews that, that, uh, that, it, that enables you to see a perspective on your life and what it really means that is bigger than you may you may imagine, I love this quote from, uh, from N.T. Wright, uh, from Dallas Willard. Uh, no, he's another person I like, but this is Dallas Willard's quote. The most important thing about you is not what you do, it's who you become. Because those things that you do in your life, even those things that you do that in the eyes of others is, are incredibly significant. One day they're going to be forgotten. But who you become, who you are in Jesus... That's what's eternal. That's what lives on forever. But all the, the things that often distract us, all the things that we got to do, oh, check more, one more thing off the task list. Those things are forgotten. It's who you become. It's who you're becoming each and every day. That's, that's the most important thing about you. So what really is the thing that you need to pursue this year? What really is the the thing that's going to make the most significant difference, not only in your life, but also in the lives of those you share life with?
Maybe it's not the thing you thought about just a few minutes ago. Maybe it's something different because the why in your life is bigger than you may have thought about before. And you really don't want to live according to a, a, a lie that life is all about you. You know that's not true. And you know that's simply a, a, a way of ending up at the end of your life realizing you've wasted your life. So here's what today is about. Today is about coming, coming here to say again, here I am, Lord. Here's my life. Here are my hopes and here are my dreams. Maybe they're not the right hopes and the right dreams. And if they're not, would you change them? Would you bring wisdom into my life? Would you help me to know who I need to speak to to find that wisdom? Lord, here's the hurts that I've experienced in my life. Here's the things I'm trying to make better. And maybe I just need to let those things go and let you deal with them. But Lord, here's my life. Here's my future. Here's everything this new year is going to be. And again, Lord, I want to give my life to you. And I want my life, I want my life to be about something that is bigger than my life. And so as we prepare to receive the gift of communion today, what I want to invite you to do as we, as we close is, is to simply join me in prayer. I want to pray for you. I want to pray for our church, pray for, for all of us together for this new year that we're about to begin to offer ourselves again to God. And as a way of physically representing that, I want to invite you just to open your hands, place them on your lap. Uh, uh, you may not pray this way all the time. That's okay. But, but to simply say again, Lord, this is my life and I want to give it, I want to, give it to you as I begin a new year with you. Let's pray. Loving and gracious God, we give you thanks for the gift of Jesus. We give you thanks, Lord, for the truth and wisdom of your word that leads us to a significant and meaningful life and enables us, Lord, to avoid a life that in the end lacks anything that really matters. Lord, we acknowledge our need of you. We acknowledge that without you, our lives are unmanageable. Our future is insecure. Our best plans, Lord, will always fall short. And so we pray that you would pour into our life and enable us to invest in relationships where we get wisdom. Speak to us, Lord, about the way that we should go, the life that we should pursue, the practices that we may need to engage in, the people, Lord, who may need more of us than we, we ourselves realize. And so, Lord, again, as we begin a new year together, we say, we are yours and we ask that you would lead us to live a life that is worthy of the grace that you have given to each of us. This is our prayer for a new year together, that we pray in the name of Jesus, our Lord and Savior. Amen.